Welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on backend technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that said, let's get on on the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Can you guys hear me? Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. All right. So how about we get started? All right. How's everybody doing? How's, how are you guys doing? How's your weekend so far? How's your Saturday? I, I hear it's evening some, some places. I know it's a little bit late. I'm trying to pick a, pl- a time that fits everybody. 9 a.m. PST seems to fit most of the people. I think it's a little bit late, around 8 or 6 on the east. But it was actually poor quality. I was buffering on my side. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah. Hopefully, you guys are doing okay. Karim, how are we doing? Paolo, Nixon, Muhammad, what is going on? New subscriber, Nixon, welcome to the community. <laughs> uh, you like the gRPC video? Yeah, gRPC. I made a video about gRPC and then didn't, never went back. I, that's, what, that's, that's me in this channel. I taste different things. And uh, I try to stay in, in, in the thing that I'm very interested in, gRPC. And in order to, here's the thing. When I, in order to explain something, I have to go back to the, atomic level of understanding so to understand grpc i had to understand http2 and and i made a video about http2 right so i wanted to make a grpc video for the longest time for three years but i couldn't because i didn't understand the basic principles i made the http2 video and then i i figured out there's something called protobuf protobuf i was like what the heck is this so i started making a video about protocol buff until i have like a solid understanding that's how i like to uh, to do in my channel. Hello, everybody. Hey, Hamid from Masr, Egypt. Tobias, Norway. Look, everybody from Texas. I really wanted to go to Texas. I want to drive across the states one day. The, the, the farthest I went from California was Arizona. It was beautiful. Sedona, I went to Sedona. 
I love the diverse community we have here. It's beautiful. How about we start, guys? How about we start? So, so what we're going to do, we're going to talk about databases, guys. And I want to pick the asset properties and just pick them apart and just casually talk about them. Those asset properties or stands for atomicity, consistency, isolation, and durability. It was invented by someone. I'm going to look up his name and because it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting story. Acid uh, Database Wiki. It's a very interesting story. He, he, hopefully his name is somewhere here, Jim Ray. So Jim Ray is the invention. He, he was born in 1944. And guess what, guys? He, he's, not, he's not dead. He was pronounced dead. He's the, he's the invention, inventor of this database concept of asset properties. And what he did is he invented this stuff. But what, what happened to him? He went to his, in his, in his boat on, on, on the bay of San Francisco and just they never found him. They, so they, in 2012, they declared him absent, I think, dead as absent, something like that. So, yeah, what a loss in the commuting, uh, computer science community. So, yeah, so he invented Jim, Jim Gray, Gulen. It's very interesting. So without him, we would not have any modern database right now. So he invented acid. So you might say, why? What? What is this acid thing? Why do you need atomicity? Why do you need consistency and isolation and and, and durability? Why do you need all that stuff? So it comes back to to the first use case. Where I'm not claiming to be first use case, but think about this: if you have a database system, it's consists of executing multiple queries. And the first uh, semantic that they developed is the idea of a transaction. And it's, it's funny because transaction is not, is, not sh- is not something yells at you and you have to do it all the time. But it is, it is there and you have to understand it, unfortunately. But most clients don't force you to do the transactions. When I say client, I mean database clients. It just does it for you. And and that's as a when you first start writing database software or database clients applications you start using executing queries without actually putting them in a transaction if you don't understand that concept you end up corrupting your database as a result which could be bad so let's talk about it what is a transaction when if you're familiar with sql structured query language you can execute multiple queries right i can insert into a table and I can update uh, the same table uh, another row I can delete from the table but these are each statement is by its own right so if I tell you now to build a system that says for example let's debit uh, let, 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 let me withdraw $100 and deposited to another account i want to transfer money like this this concept of transferring money which is very very simple right again take it as an example most banks don't do this today but if you're going to transfer money from one account to another account assuming you have one table called accounts with balances what are we going to do well we're going to 
minus 100 from account A plus 100 in account B. So that translates to two queries, right? But if I deducted the first query, I, I actually executed the first query successfully, but I couldn't execute the second query for any reason. I don't know. We lost power. We failed to execute the second query for any particular reason. I don't know. Not enough balance, anything, right? What happened to the first one? You just lost $100 on thin air. So the concept of a database transaction was born to add this logical concept, which is, okay, a transaction is, is a unit of work, whether it has one query or 700 queries. That's what transaction is, essentially. We're gonna, here's what we're going to do. The theme here is going to talk about different concepts. And as I talk about different concepts, I am going to uh, take a break, read a little bit of chat, answer some questions, and just jump, uh, jump to another thing. And yes, I am from Bahrain. Yes, originally. I moved to the state 2015. Let's start by truncating everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's just <laughs> jumpy. Just uh, try and get everything. Do you say 1984 he was born? No, 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 no. He was born 1944. Did I say 84? Of course, no. <laughs> what kind of genius was born in 84? He's just, what, 84? That's a younger, uh, one year younger than me. <laughs> no, he's 44. He's old. I say, currently, which databases you work with? Oh, so... Personally, without my work, I like working with Postgres and MySQL most of the time. That's the two databases I work with. Just because when I make tutorials or something, I just, I just know Postgres better than MySQL. And probably the reason of this is because my work, I work with so many databases every day. And because I am, I am in a team called the GeoDatabase team, which is, which is the geographic concept we added the geographic layer into databases so we had to support multiple databases we were i work with oracle every day i work with sql server every day i work with postgres every day i occasionally work with sap hana but these are more the three most databases sqlite i work with sqlite almost every day as well and we also in Esri we have our own uh, database platform MySQL Postgres. It depends. Uh, nothing is, there is no best or worst there. Flutter or React? I don't know both. <laughs> I really don't know Flutter and I don't know React. And if you ask me, if you, if you hire me to write a, a front-end engineer, you're going to be, be wasting your money because I, I, I probably butcher it. <laughs> I'm going to use HTML and, and barely CSS and that's, a, that's, that's, that's the only front-end I know. MongoDB. Mongo is a great database. A DB Noria. I heard about this database called Noria. It's very interesting. Um, I forgot the premise of that database, though. It was very interesting, though. Yeah, I had to go back and read it. Thank, thank you for reminding me, though. Yeah. I've recently started with, uh, with this channel, found context quite useful, slowly covering up all videos. Thanks, Hussein. Thanks, Amit. Uh, yeah, you'll you'll be overwhelmed if you jump in and you saw all this content. I try to make this easier by making playlists, and I try as much as possible 
ordering these playlists by difficulty or by, I guess, prerequisite. So if you go to the database engineering playlist, you can safely watch it from, from uh, top to bottom. Uh, for the backend engineer, which is kind of the topic of my channel, is, uh, is uh, I have a backend engineering playlist, which got so big, I had to break it into three parts. Backend engineering beginning, backend engineering intermediate, and backend engineering advanced. And obviously, this is something I made. PhonoDB. PhonoDB is, is a great choice. I just don't like that it's a cloud-based only. I'd like my databases to, to live on my disk, my, on my, my laptop, to test it, to see it. I want it open source. I don't believe it is, uh, it is open source. I might be wrong there. PhonoDB is, has this concept of uh, regional, global uh, global rights, right? So when you when you... Once you spin it on the cloud, you do a write, and and it will distribute these writes to all regions across the world. So, and that cost of writing to everything con strongly consistent will cost you slow writes, right? But it's going to give you local reads. That means if I am in, in the United States, in California, and I write, it's going to go to my California, whatever, next to the thing, maybe Seattle, I, I'm going to write to that database. And that, that database itself going to write to Asia, to Europe, to everything. And I don't know how it actually, how, what, what pattern does it do, but I believe it blocks you until all of these writes successful, and then it unlocks you. That means once it, it tells you you're good, you're good. That means it is strongly consistent. We're going to talk about this as we go through the topic here discussing again this is this this live stream is about freestyle it's not really structured it is high structure on a high level right so i have like a little bit of bullet points i go through but interesting questions like this can can go into tangents and i can speak freely about them that's that's that why that's why this turns into a great podcast for someone listens in the background right uh, otherwise, I'll, I'll be like a robot when making videos, which is okay. Oh, number one, please make sure to subscribe and like this video. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah, and then step number one, like this. Step number two, like this. And step number five, like this. I don't know. It's just I don't like making structure content. I think it's boring. You might disagree with this. This instructor on YouTube, no. Have you seen, uh, have you seen what's his name? Uh, Brad Travis, he's he's really good. I love I love Brad. I mean I mean he's really focused on, he's dealing with health issues right now. Help he get it better. But Brad, in Traversy Media, he's I like how how hardworking and and when he puts his mind into explaining something, he tries his best. And it, a lot of people relate to him because he doesn't have a, a background in computer science, so he comes to it with a practical knowledge and and that's uh, that's very very relatable so i, li I like watching brad content all right to explain like front-end concepts graph databases are just sql to or mm, graph databases has their usage if you think about it um i mean if you're building special social graphs use cases you can build it with a relational database you can build it with a NoSQL unstructured database but is 
querying it won't be as efficient because unless you're really a database sorcerer and you know how to index everything so you get the best I mean, there are something called a common table expression, CTE queries, that gives you hierarchical queries like that. So it goes up and down, up and down. So these, these kind of queries are, are great for graph. But uh, again, if you know what you're doing. How about the salaries in Gulf region for junior software engineer? Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I, I can't speak for the whole Gulf, but in Bahrain, uh, it's pretty low, if you ask me. Again, I'm speaking as a local. We're not paying that great. I mean, I make here in the U.S. maybe 10 times what I was making in Bahrain. Yeah, I used to watch a lot when I was deploy de developing with JS. Yeah, uh, Brad is great. I'm not a fan of structured content tutorials, so I really appreciate the style of your videos. Thank you. I, I mean, I, some, a lot of people like structure, and a lot of people will yell at me in my videos saying, hey, Hussein, you, you, you always have a script. Have, have a bullet point. Don't go on a tangent. But what's the fun in it, right? What's the fun? I mean, that's why people... That's why I try to attract people that like my content instead of faking some style that I, I'm not comfortable with, then after, I don't know, after I get 100,000 subscribers, it's okay, I don't, I don't like to do this anymore. I'm, I'm depressed. Um, I'm, I want to change. I don't need to deal with this. I, I, what I want to do is I want to do what I really like and enjoy. And I think this is an advice that applies. If you want to show your content, just be yourself. Nobody can compete with you if you're yourself. That's the beauty. As I was saying, speaking of databases, did you hear about Datomic? No, I did not. What is it? Thanks, Tammy. I'm doing very well. Thanks, MD. In my new job, I use Node HS. HS? Is that Hadoop? No. CockroachDB, Yogabyte, and other distributed having asset. So yeah, all of these, CockroachDB, uh, Fauna, uh, Yogabyte, all of them have asset. Even Mongo now introduced asset, right? Concepts, which is this strong consistency. And uh, I don't know what I think. I just, uh, here's what I think. I, I, might, I might be wrong, but again, anything that I say might be wrong. But here's the thing. I'd like if a database tries, why, why did we invest a new database, right? There is also, there was always a reason. There is also why to invent a new database. And then it, to solve a problem that obviously other databases can't solve. That's my mental model all, all the time. So if you, if you invent a new database, maybe you'll, you'll have a database support both columnar and row-based storage. So that is stored on a column and stores as a row, and that there are benefits for both, right? So you will invent a database that supports both. That's one reason to invent a database. You invent a database that, for example, MongoDB was invented because uh, relational couldn't scale horizontally, right? But but that was the initial goal, right? I mean, even this the the statement that Postgres or or these database couldn't scale horizontally is wrong because you can scale them horizontally if you do a replication. It's just 
little bit difficult. So MongoDB came in and, and designed a database for distributed. And they said, oh, we cannot do it. If, you, if we're going to do it distributed, we're going we're gonna to throw acid off, off the table. And people were happy with this. And some people jump into it. I think MongoDB now is trying to become an asset database. And I mean, what are you trying to compete back? I, that I don't understand, really. Right? You, you, were, you had a great goal. Right? Maybe as other databases tries to make horizontal scalability very easy, like Vitas and, and Postgres replication. Now MongoDB doesn't have, or this database doesn't have the features to compete anymore, right? It's like, oh, I can use Postgres. Postgres supports JSON now as a database, right? So even Postgres, everybody started to compete in the database market and trying to steal features from each other. Steal might be not the right word, but you know what I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, to me, I pick a database that I'm comfortable with, I know, and, and, and just run with. I mean, even if you have a new database, how much good is it really thoughts on docker and kubernetes they are great technologies docker and kubernetes are really excellent technologies that solves certain problems now the question is do you have these problems or not if you don't and you go to docker and kubernetes then you you go to the wrong track really quick because implementing docker maybe it's not a big idea right not big deal i mean but the moment you spread Docker into multiple hosts, because if you have Docker and a lot of containers on one single host, that's useless. Because if that machine dies, your whole system died, right? So you better have multiple VMs and, and split the load equally, right, without Docker. Or put, start putting Docker on multiple machines. The moment you start putting Docker on multiple machines, here's where the complexity starts start to increase because how do you how do you coordinate these these two machines these two docker instances docker came up with the idea of docker swarm kubernetes came up to solve a different kind of problem regardless of the orchestrating system the container system regardless of docker but but the moment you move to Kubernetes, now you have to do a service mesh. Now you have to, the problem with tracing. How, how a single request between multiple services, how do you trace it? There is this services now Datadog come in and says, okay, we're going to trace your service. I mean, we're going to make a request and say, we, we know each request goes into all these services. And we know if something failed, where exactly it failed. So now you have to pay a lot of money to pay all these services. And then now you have to add also service mesh because you want if, if a service to service communication fail what do you need to do these call on the network used to be a local method call in the silicon you just broke that away into services because you want to support micro kubernetes that's my beef with kubernetes and docker use it if you really need it if you don't then you're gonna increase the complexity i thought we were talking about databases guys Please make a video about RubberTC. I know, I know. RubberTC, I swear, I swear I will do. I'm, I'm in database land right now, guys, if you don't know this. Every month, I, 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 uh, it's like a video game. Every, every month, I visit a new island. And today and this month, October, I'm a database island. So I only make database videos. Maybe next month, God knows, I, I'll, be, I'll be in a uh, networking island. So I'll make a video on WebRTC. <laughs> I only do things that I enjoy. That's the, that's the goal. 
<laughs> how to get advanced in database? How to, uh, my neck. I think you you want to know like how to get better in databases. Just practice. Uh, you can't you can't get better by just reading books and and reading articles. You have to you have to actually work. I think the best thing is to actually work for a company that works with databases, build application, hit real life problems, and those real life problems will translate into real uh, real problems, into a, a real, real life database problem that will translate into experience. And that's what you want, just work. Even if you can work, if you can work as a junior, just taste these databases and, and, and you're gonna, you're gonna appreciate that, I think. Tariq Ehsan, participating in a hackathon with friends. Wish me luck. Best of luck, Tariq. All the best. The only hackathon I, I participated in was what, what, 2002, maybe? God, I, obviously I lost. <laughs> uh, you're a query guru. No, I'm not. What is a query guru, anyway? <laughs> Brian, have you working with Azure DB? I have a little bit in a new software engineer. I use Node.js. Should I learn Java as it is very popular? Oh, languages. I mean, guys, don't, don't, don't with languages, guys, don't, don't sweat it. Really. It's just a problem. YouTube and other creators are, are not making this any easier. It's just don't sweat it on the language. Just pick any language and, and run with it. There are popular languages, I'm not going to lie, but they are popular for a while. But you think that Daniel Stenberg, the the creator of Curl, he only knows, I'm not going to say he only knows, he, he knows C, right, which is a, a very old language. Yet he, he built Curl, C-U-R-L, and used billions of devices, right? So the language doesn't matter. You can use any language to build anything you want. If you like Java, as long as you like the language, that's that's how my argument is. Yeah, pick a language, be good at it. Be if you're passionate, at it, you're gonna be good at it, and then competitors, not competitors, recruiters will find you, right? Because oh, this is a good. Oh, this is a guy who only knows language. Because if you have a resume, it's like oh, I know PHP, I know my Python, I know MySQL, I know, MySQL is not language. I know SQL, I know JavaScript, I know TypeScript, I know all of this. That just gives you, that makes, that, that just spreads you. That doesn't make you look good, to be honest. Just pick a language, run with it. We talked about uh, Fauna a little bit, Tarek. Can you tell which is the best between MySQL and Postgres? We kind of, I kind of answered this question. Uh, I'm gonna gonna quickly run through it again. Uh, so MySQL, the the one of the best features in MySQL, in my opinion, is 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 the ability to have a database engine for each table. Now this could be a double-edged sword. What what does that mean? That means you can have a database engine. The way you store a table in the disk is different right that includes indexes that includes the actual data structure so you can switch it to a column based 
storage. You can switch it to a B3. You can switch it to an LSM3, right? And each one of these have different use cases. Oh, if you're writing a lot, put a table as an LSM3, RocksDB, right? Using RocksDB or MyRocks, I believe. So that writes becomes really, really fast, right? And if you're if you're reading a lot, maybe just stick with B3, right? And and something like that. So you can you can swizzle these database engines and pick what exactly fits your need. I mean, that a lot of argument against this MySQL says, oh, that means if you add a feature on MySQL, it's hard to pinpoint what database engine to update. It just becomes a little bit complicated. So that's one feature. What I don't like about MySQL is, again, this could be none problem for anybody, right? But to me, they don't have transactional DDLs. What does that mean? So DDL is a def data definition language. And that means the create table, the create database, the create stuff, right? The alter table, alter column, adding this stuff. In MySQL, once you do alter database, and pretty much all databases, by the way, when you do an alter table or create a table, that's a commit. That's immediately committed to the database. That's it. You cannot undo a rollback. You cannot put in a transaction and rollback. If you create a table, right and then you create another table and that failed that table the first table is created postgres you can actually undo you can put ddls in a transaction which i love right so so if you if you ha you have a client that updates their schema frequently you can ship them a script and if if any that that alters their schema in the middle if there is a failure you can safely roll back and all of these changes will roll back, including create table, uh, including alter fields, all of that stuff will be rolled back. But you cannot do the same thing with MySQL. So that I prefer Postgres for that, that one, one, that for that use case, right? So that's one use case again. Postgres has some, again, the, the idea of vacuuming. Uh, if you don't, if, and Postgres are fixing this, right? If you, if you insert a lot of rows, in Postgres, uh, these rows are 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 being marked as 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 currently being visible to only this transaction and above. That means older transactions will should not be able to see it. And this is called isolation, which is the third topic which we didn't jump into yet. <laughs> and the idea of isolation in in and concurrency in Postgres that cost of maintaining these structures that, oh, these rows are not visible for old transactions. This is costly. This, the database needs to do some queries to find out, oh, this row is not visible. I should not read it. Oh, this row is visible. I, sh I should read it. The, the idea of isolation is, is costly. And the way Postgres do it, actually, you have to jump back to the heap. Even if you're doing an index scan, sometimes you can jump into the heap which is the actual table, and that is slow. That code is slow. So, for example, if you insert 100 million rows, and then all of a sudden you start querying it, you'll find extreme slow performance. But the, the moment you do vacuum full analyze, vacuum, all of a sudden it's, it's all great. So you can solve this problem, but once you know how things work, it all makes sense, right? I don't think Postgres is better than MySQL. I don't think MySQL is better than Postgres. There are nuances for each one database, and you have to either work around them or just know what you're doing 
and use case, your use case. I know I'm going to make a video about Uber moving from Postgres to MySQL for one particular reason, that obviously the community just called BS on Uber. Says, okay, that's not a reason for moving Postgres because there was solutions they could do in Postgres. Not that Postgres is bad. And back in 2016, people thought that Postgres is bad and, and lost some market share as a result. But the community fought back. Are there any cloud-based SQL databases services like there is Mongo Atlas and NoSQL? Yeah, Postgres. I made a video about it, actually. You can, you can spin up a Postgres instance on the cloud. <laughs> However, be careful with this, right? And with anything on the cloud, a database on the cloud as a service, you can't spin up a database on the cloud and then have the client on your laptop inserting into a cloud database that the latency will kill you because database protocols are chatty in general right and 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 if you build an application it, it will become even more chattier especially when you have like begin a transaction there's a lot of chattiness going on in the protocol so that any latency will double if you're if you're if you're making a lot of queries you're gonna feel the performance so when you if you want to spin up a database in the cloud Make sure your client to that database is right there next to the cloud in the same network. That's called a VLAN in Amazon, I believe. So, yeah, guys, how about we jump into the topic, actually? Atomic atomicity. So, the idea of atomicity in transaction, which we explained, right? Transaction is multiple queries, one or more queries that you execute. Atomicity is the idea of having a single transaction unsplittable because atoms, the atom, the atom, cannot be split enough, cannot, cannot, cannot be split. You cannot, you cannot do split an atom, right? Well, nuclear fission will disagree, obviously, but <laughs> that's a different topic, right? You're going to quantum. But... At, at uh, that when when nineteen whatever when when Jim Cray invented this probably n nuclear fission wasn't invented I might I might be wrong there <laughs> but in general yeah in general that's the idea is just the atomic the atom cannot be split so we want the transaction to be atomic and when you say my transaction atomic is it cannot be split in half that means all the queries within this transaction they all succeed or they all fail that means if three succeeded and my fourth query failed for any reason, for any reason, a power outage, for a, a, a database constraint, you got to roll back all these successful queries so that all of them fail because you don't want half of these transactions succeeding. That's just bad. That leads to the second concept, which is consistency, right? So that's atomicity. Atomicity is very, very critical, and almost all databases support atomicity, right? So that's the idea of atomicity. Hello, Hussein. Love your great content. Thanks, Fuji. Appreciate it. What are your thoughts on algorithm questions and data structure interviews? I made a video about those, I believe. Um, I think those interview questions for data structure and algorithms are are designed for certain uh for certain candidates, but I believe they were just copy and pasted to all interviews unnecessarily. So 
if you're building an Node.js application, if you're interviewing for a Node.js application, you probably are never gonna use any of these algorithms, right? You're not gonna use Dicastra. But if you're interviewing for uh, for a job as a database engineer, that to build the next graph database that will be uh, that will be great on inserts and great on queries to, to scan billions of followers and social network, that new graph database that we're going to build, you better know all these algorithms. You better know them because you're building a basic root system that is badass. So th- you need to understand all this stuff. But do I think everybody needs to know? Because nobody can memorize everything, guys. If you, if you want to learn any algorithm, just literally Wikipedia, a few seconds later, you know it. Brian, do you have a video explaining that vacuum concept in Postgres? Yes, I have a very short video explaining it uh, while I was walking my dog. Just search Postgres vacuum Hussein on YouTube. Hussein, and, that, and that's it. You, you'll, you'll, you'll see it. The, the thumbnail, I think there's a vacuum in Postgres. <laughs> I believe you'll find it. How does transaction rollback from power failure? Oh, I, I love this question. See, the, these, these are the, the, the kind of questions we want on the topic that we're discussing so that we can enforce the content, guys. Enforce it. All right. So in case of a... Here's what happened. When you start a transaction, usually the database start a transaction and start writing. But usually uh, when you start writing these databases... Uh, these rows we don't really write to the disk immediately some databases do but we write to memory right and once we say commit we take everything that we wrote in memory and we flush it in disk the commit is what actually write to the database and says okay right so that's what happens some some of the times right write in memory because writes are fast however if you fail while in the memory, power outage, tough luck. With nothing written to this, so we're just consistent. So, however, no, not a lot of databases use this. The, a lot of databases use something called WAL, W-A-L, or, or write-ahead logs. And write-ahead logs are a data structure that is essentially in memory, but also asynchronously flushed to disk. And it has a state Right? This is in a concept it's like, okay, if we finish the transaction, we're going to change the state to good. If, it's, if, it's, if, if something happened in the middle and failed, we, we reboot the database and we look at the wall uh, structure, the log, the wall, wall right ahead log. And we say, oh, this, this wall is bad. <laughs> Get it? This wall is bad. <laughs> and then essentially we just discard that wall. That's, that's how I would imagine it's happening. Maybe the databases will implement it differently. Assalamu alaikum, Hussein. Alaikum assalam. That's on. Kafu ya jayshil arab. Thanks, Khaled. Appreciate you. <laughs> Appreciate you. Now, we have a lot of Arabs in the, in the house, too. Not just you, Khaled. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, so atomicity is, is very interesting. And then this is a very good question. Let me credit the one who asked this. Abindan. I hope I said your name right. 
But yeah, this is the idea. This is the idea of, of atomicity, guys. So how about we jump into consistency? So consistency, guys. So we talk about transactions. We talked about atomicity. Now we need to talk about consistency. Consistency is... Here's the thing with consistency. And when I say consistency, is it's really relative to the user. And I'm going to give you an example. What is, what is a consistency, right? A consistency on YouTube, that means I have to post a video every week at, on Friday at 6 a.m. in the morning. That's consistent, right? That means you're doing the same thing over and over again in a consistent manner. However, in databases... A consistent view, that consistency can be defined in different ways. Like, let's take relational, for example, for simplicity. Let's say you have two tables. And you have a, a table that says, oh, this is uh, Khalid, and he has a picture, and this picture got 100 views. There is a field with an integer, 100, vi 100 views, 100 likes, right? So there is another table that actually tells you exactly the likes who lo like those pictures right so there is i don't know ali like this picture right and there's uh rick like this picture and paul like this picture and, and andreas like this picture so there should be a hundred rows matching this hundred people right because if you give me oh you this is this picture is liked by a hundred likes hundred people i better see actual hundred people in that table that's called consistency, right? Because there are two views and these have to be consistent with each other. And who invented this? No one. It's you as the DBA or the application designer. You maintain this consistency. And you're, the database gives you tools to kind of enforce this consistency, essentially. Salki Imad, thank you for the super chart. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. We need more courses on Udemy, bought recently the database engineering. Thank you for your support. I appreciate it. I hope you like the database engineering. I'm, I'm thinking, to be honest, I'm thinking of moving from Udemy to another platform. It's just Udemy is, 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 is not a great platform. It's just weird. There is a lot of restrictions with coupons, and I cannot put a free free udemy course if it's more than two hours which kind of restricts what i'm doing so I'm, I'm planning to move to another platform so stay tuned for that but thank you appreciate it so yeah consistency guys consistency is just it's just what how you look at it so now if you go back to the same example we have two tables uh, the likes and and the actual people who like this table if i and i how do you achieve this consistency? Let's say I am Kim and I want to like this picture. What do we do? How does, how does this translate into actual SQL queries or SQL queries, right? You first, you have to insert into the people's table. It says, okay, Kim, ID 7, liked picture, Khaled's picture. And now we have to also go to the likes picture and now the current count is 100, we have to oh, likes equal likes plus one, right? So you update this and you update this. What if I inserted here, but I failed to update the count, right? You're going to have more people 
and with less number of counts or the reverse you're gonna have maybe more likes but if you actually dig and in, in instagram or whatever application you're building and you actually looked you're gonna find that oh it's only 50 people oh this is an inconsistent view and instagram can get away with this because i guarantee you they are not consistent because they don't care consistency is good but sometimes you just don't care because the cost of consistency is expensive. To keep things consistent, you have to, oh, make sure to update this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. Some people, some people do duplicate values just for the case of performance. And, and the moment you start duplicating, you have to update these views multiple times. Thus, you have to get a consistent views. Does that mean you have to always be consistent? Well... It's up to you. Can, you. can you afford losing consistency? Instagram can, because if, 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 if Kylie Jenner, is that her name? Kylie Jenner get like, I don't know, 3.2 million likes. You think if someone clicks on that and actually scroll, they're going to scroll through 3.2 million people who like this picture and actually count to call Instagram or call BS on Instagram that, oh, you guys didn't actually have 3.2 million likes, that you had 3.13. Nobody cares, right? So, and, and they deliberately make the user experience so that it's very difficult for you to find out that they are in inconsistent. Why? Because they want, they want back-end jobs on the, jo on the back-end to asynchronously update this stuff. And I don't blame them. They want, they want all the stuff to be, to be happening in the back end. And when, the moment you do st start doing things asynchronously, you lost consistency. That moment, you just lost it. So that's consistency in, in the data itself. There is another concept where consistency in reads. So let's say I write to the database, I update some value, and then I turn around and read it. The value should be should be the same value, right? If I get an old value, right, that means I'm not consistent. Let's say, I give you an example, and it happened in YouTube back in 2013, I think, when they started switching their MySQL database to be distributed. So here's what happened. So in, my, uh, in, in YouTube, you, have, you can update your profile, and you can change some property. Let's say you change, what can you change in, in YouTube? Your, your picture, you change your picture or you change your screen name. If you change it, that's an update. That's an update statement, right? It goes to the primary database, right? Assuming your application. And then the moment you write it, it says, okay, successful. And, and then the, the first thing you do, what? After you write the page, yeah, you update the profile, is to refresh. The moment you refresh, what, what, Post, uh, what YouTube used to do is they will take that query to another database because it's a it's a replicated system F to make their to the reads faster they take you to another database and guess what when they go to that database that write did not propagate to that node yet so you would still see the old screen name and it says what i just updated it why is it not refreshing that's inconsistency but it is inconsistency when it comes to, to reads. So 
lot of people say, oh, SQL databases like Postgres and MySQL are strongly consistent. Well, not if they are distributed. <laughs> no, they are eventually consistent. That's the marketing term that they came up with. Oh, we're going to be eventually consistent. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're going to be eventually consistent. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's going to be zappity. It's going to be great. So, yeah. So, these are the two types of consistency. Is that eventual consistency? Yes, Paolo. That's exactly eventual consistency. You read my mind. <laughs> with that, with what languages we build consistency in tables? Or is it more server performance thing? No, really. It has nothing to do with server performance. It's just how you, uh, the database tools. When I say database tools, I mean, um, you're familiar with the constraint rules on databases where, for example, you have a, a foreign key and to a table and that that constraint checks. Oh, if, if I insert a row, row here, I have to insert a row here, for example. Or if I insert multiple row, if I have a unique index uh, co uh, constraint, then I cannot insert multiple rows in the same table with the same value. That's another constraint that fails if something uh, if something bad happens. So that's another that's the tools I, I I talk about. So some databases have them, like SQL databases. MongoDB, I don't believe they do, or, or no SQL databases. Not not all of them have these tools. So if you if you're moving from relational to NoSQL and you're used to having these tools, you're gonna be disappointed when you go to NoSQL because those tools will will just disappear on you. So yeah, which one of the properties in ACID is valid for any step in the transaction? Postgres in uh, pre uh, or in between transactions? I didn't get understand the question, Kira. Let me read it again. Which one of the properties in ACID is valid for any step in the transaction? Pretty much in a transaction, all of them. Usually they are all in 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 action. So we talked, we talked about consistency. When, when you, when, atomicity and consistency are hand in hand almost uh, all the time. So, for example, we talked about the transaction, the, the liking of a picture, right? You write to this table, update the count, and also write to this table so, so you can insert a new row, right? If you fail, then the transaction will be rolled back, and then that's atomicity. And also you're going to get consistency because you now back to the consistent state in your table. You're not like, oh, you have a, a plus one count here, but the actual likers of the picture are not consistent. So that's consistency. We're going to jump into isolation. Martha, hello, Hussein. Good to see you on live stream. Good to see you, Martha. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. How are stock trading system consistent and also take heavy load? Oh, yeah. Stock, all these systems, right, guys, and how to become consistent is very critical. And I talked about that in my Uber video yesterday, Uber backend. They are staying consistent, but, but in a very smart way. So what they are doing is like they are executing these orders of the Uber rides, Right, you 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 take a ride, you take a trip, and then there are some steps they have to they, they execute. They all, for example, the the cost of the trip is eighteen dollar, and the service fee is minus two, right? So they have to debit your account, the rider, and then credit 
$18 to the driver account, I think, and then $2 for goes to Uber as a service charge, right? And then if you tip the user, again, that's another minus, I don't know, $7 from your account, a plus $7 to that. They can't possibly do this in a transaction, in one transaction. Otherwise, you'll be, what if something failed? Yeah, you're going to roll back, but failure is bad for a user. Imagine you try to pay and you just want to leave and you get a failure. What? I want to leave now. I just reached my destination. I, I don't have time to retry. So what they do is they asynchronous order execution. So you're going to submit an order and we're going to take care of it on the back end and make sure they are consistent. So every time you read it, it's going to tell, hey, this order is not, is not complete yet. It's partially complete. It's going to tell you partially complete. Oh, we debited the account, but we didn't do this. Oh, we debited that. We credited. We debited the account of the rider, but we didn't credit your account. Wait. So wait. So it tells you the different states. A state system. It's an event-driven almost. Regarding consistency, first. Uh, so Sergey asking regarding consistency. First, several likes are always consistent, at least on Instagram. You can check it. How do you think they implemented? Uh, fall back to list consistent algorithm some point yeah so basically if the, if it fails it fails they don't care so they try to uh, when does the failure happen when when you when you have the large volume of data that's when the failures start happening right and that's when you don't feel it right so in the beginning they they may start to maintain strong consistency and they might actually essentially what they do they Take, take YouTube, for example, guys. They actually do this. This live stream, right? If I look at this, how many views now? We have 100 concurrent streamers. We might have, I don't know, let's say 300 views, right? If I am from California or I posted a video, it might, I check and I, I see this in my stats. From California, I check it, it's 300 views. But you, from, for example, from India, you check it and it's, I don't know, 200 views. Why? Because it's inconsistent. And it, you don't care because why? You're writing into the local instance in your replica in India. And I am writing the views goes into California. And then they synchronize these views together, right? Who, who writes from California, views from California, room from India, and then they synchronize it to make a final cut. So you start seeing these. Even on Instagram, the number of likes you're seeing is completely different from someone else we're seeing at the beginning and you don't notice this because nobody tells you hey can you check this picture how many likes do i have in the beginning maybe it's accurate but as you go they cannot maintain this right especially with celebrities they can't it's just hard why my sequel is not asset compliant who said it's not it is my s my sequel is actually asset compliant did i say it is not probably probably i did <laughs> I say stupid things sometimes by mistake. 107, 107 views. See, it's, it says 107. I'm, I have 112. 39 likes in Germany right now. Thank you, Raphael, for watching from Germany. We need faster computers. <laughs> Must have faster computers. Can you talk about security aspect of NoSQL databases? Um, I can't because I don't. I don't think there are any, unless I might be wrong. What kind of security aspect are you are you discussing? Actually, I don't think there is any security 
problems. Oh, it depends what you mean by security, right? Like username, password, kind of credentials, encryption, communication protocol, TLS communication. I mean, all databases now support TLS. So I don't, I don't know. What does phantom rights means? Great question. So here's the next topic, actually. Isolation. We jump into the isolation. Isolation. That's the, the I in acid. So we talked about A, atomicity. We talked about C, consistency. And then we talk about isolation. And isolation is very tricky, guys. The isolation concept is, if I am a transaction now, I start a transaction, and I'm about to execute multiple queries. I'm going to read some table. I'm going to rewrite some table. I'm going to do stuff, right? Isolation is the concept of having my transaction only views my view of the data. And I don't care what other people are changing. Now, there are levels of isolation. How, how much don't you care? Like, for example, if I start a transaction and I'm, I'm reading the value and someone just start writing, starting another transaction and changed something in that value, do I see it? They didn't commit yet. Do I see it? That's something, right? The another, the another question is, what if, I, if they committed? Should I see it? That's another question. What if, for example, committed? Should I see it or not? That's the third question. So there are a lot of isolation levels. But before we talk about that, we're going to talk about three problems that the isolation solves. The first problem is dirty read. Dirty read, guys, is, is a read that you do on, on your transaction. You start a transaction, you do a read, but you just read a value that has not been committed, that is potentially wrong. Because, because if it's not committed, that means there is a poten potential possibility of rolling back. So that means what, what, what happened if you roll back? You just read a bad value. Example, dirty read. So I have a product table. And uh, let's say I'm starting a transaction. I want to print a report. I'm going to use the same example over again. Right? I'm going to print a report. Uh, so I went to the product table. I read the product and I read the quantity of the product. So now I have like, I don't know, product A, 50 units. And now the next thing I'm going to do is gonna, I'm going to read how much money did we make of this quantity. While I'm trying to read, someone actually made another sale in the product and they started the transaction, right, I don't know, 10 units. And then they started inserting uh, the, the amount, which is, I don't know, $100, let's say. So now I'm, I'm, I'm going to read the extra $100, the dirty read, which is not committed yet. But now, whilst, while they want to try, try to approve this, it got, I don't know, rejected, for example, and they rolled back. What did you just read? You read a value that is dirty. Why? Because it has been rolled back. It's not, it's not, commit, it's not in the database. You read it. Despite you being in a transaction, you read a value that has been changed, but it has been rolled back. That's called a dirty read. And that's absolutely bad. Nobody wants dirty reads. You don't read a value that is, that's rolled back, right? Or about to roll back. Even if it's committed, you don't, you, don't, you don't trust it. That's called dirty reads. 
So that's the first problem that isolation tries to solve. The second problem is called repeatable reads. Taking a sip of my Honduras coffee. The second one is repeatable reads. Are my reads repeatable? And you might say, what does that mean, Hussein? So if I read the same problem, start transaction, I read the number of prices, I give 50. And then in the reports, I read this, the same, I did the same query, and I got 60. That's a repeatable read. That's a non-repeatable read problem, right? So, so the, the problem here is, is so, so, sorry, so the problem is called non-repeatable read. So that's the problem. So I read it first, and then I read it again. It changed in the same transaction. That's called non-repeatable reads, right? So that's a problem we try to solve. So I say, Jose, who cares? You read it once, and you read it again, and then, yeah, so what? It changed. But no, again, back to the second concept, consistency. What if I'm printing a report? I read 50, and then I, I queried again to read the balance, and someone actually inserted a row, not just inserted, actually committed, right? So it's not dirty read per se. It's actually committed, so it's a clean read. And I read the balance, and I get 60 units and more money. All of a sudden, you're going to print a report that is false because you read 50, but you're printing a balance with more, more units, that's just bad, right? So that's called non-repeatable read, right? My reads are non-repeatable. So this is a problem. If I want to, to avoid this, if I query and I query multiple times in the same transaction, I should get the exact same value. That is called a repeatable read. We want to achieve repeatable read. The problem is called non-repeatable read. So that's the second problem. Phantom read is the third one, which is which is essentially a row that is inserted because your query is unbounded. So let's take an example, right? And you're picking up this extra row that is, that is almost invisible, but you're picking it up in your query. So let's take an example. So let's say you're, uh, same thing, you're selecting all products, product A, product B, product C. And that's only when you begin your product query, so you say select star from products, right? That's what you do. And then you gave up product one, product uh, product A, product B, product C. That's what you got. And then you, you started doing that. And then what you do is so you do another query to check, I don't know, the quantity of them. And meanwhile, the second query, someone actually made a sale on product D. So now they inserted a new row that didn't exist before. So now all of a sudden when you query, product D will show up. So it's technically not... not non-repeatable it's not repeatable it's a phantom read because your query says select star from from product so it's it's a boundless query there is no you didn't say oh only product one two three you said everything so that means your range your wear clothes kind of jump into the phantom land and picked up that extra phantom row that's essentially the idea of the three problems that isolation solved. So they invented around four isolation levels to solve these problems. How about we jump into it? Hussein, where are you from? 
Khalid. I am from Bahrain. Moved to the States in 2015. If the translation as syndrome. <clears throat> Sorry about that. If translation started, it started to update date in the memory. If power fail, how, da, uh, how data get deleted from memory? Is there a garbage collector? I mean, if the power fail, it's a random access memory, right? Random access memory. The moment you take the power off the RAM, it's gone, right? That's, that's what random access memory means. It's just, well, that's not what RAM means. It's just RAM has been, there's another, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's called volatile memory. That's the thing I'm looking for. Volatile means it needs volt to keep it out warm. The moment you lose power, you lose all the thing in memory. Hala walla, Saudiya Khalid. So you're is very very close from Sharqiyya. It's very close. Welcome. So yeah. So. So let's jump into the isolation levels. What kind of things we can do to solve the dirty read, to solve the non-repeatable read, and to solve the phantom read that some of you ask about. The first one is called read uncommitted, <laughs> which is nobody uses. I think SQL Server have an option to do it, but I think they are removing it right now. Read uncommitted, basically, when you start a transaction, you say, I want an isolation level of read uncommitted. That means, give me everything that is dirty, baby. I want everything that is dirty. Anything, anyone that's writing anything, give it to me. That's called read uncommitted. Anything. Whether that's committed, not committed, I don't care. Just give it to me. Give me everything. Give me everything that is whether written or not. So with the read uncommitted, you have the problem of dirty read, da, right? You have a problem of uh, non-repeatable read because your, your, your reads will never be repeatable because you're going to query and someone changes something, you're going to query again, that, shit, that value has changed, right? So... In a transaction, you're not going to get isolation at all. So none, read uncommitted means no isolation. So it is technically the fastest because the database literally does no work. Almost. There's no work. It's just, it just does whatever everyone is showing you. It's just giving you the values. The second one is uh, read committed isolation level, which is one of the most popular one another sub of Honduras. So, read committed in databases, guys. Is when I start a transaction, I say, "Hey, I want to be read committed mode." That means only give me reads that are committed from right that are committed from other transaction. So if people changing, but they didn't commit, don't, don't show these to me. I don't want to see them. But if they committed, eh, I'm willing to read them. So that's called read committed. So, so what, what are you going to get? What problems are you going to get with this? You're going to get dirty reads? No, you're not going to get dirty reads ever. So no dirty reads for you, which is good. A lot of people are happy with this. Read committed. But are you going to get non-repeatable reads? Definitely. The products question that we got, if I query for all the products and I got 50 units and then someone committed new 10 units, 
and then I read it again, I'm going to get 60, right? So that is non-repeatable. It produces an inconsistent result. Does that mean read committed or bad? No. A lot of databases just use this and are happy with it. It depends on you. Once you understand how this works, you're going to tweak and tune your database to be which level because every level has a cost. Read committed has a cost. And, and the third level is isolation level of read, repeatable read it's called. Repeatable read isolation level. Which means, hey, I'm going to start transaction and only give me reads at the moment I started this transaction. That is powerful. A lot of databases use versioning for this. They version each row. So that means, hey, I start a transaction. I'm on version 198 of this database. So that means anything, and that's how Postgres works to a certain extent. That means Anything before 198, I can see. Anything after 198, I should not see. That's called repeatable reads. So that means if someone, if I started the transaction, I read the products, I got 50 products, and then someone inserted 10, that's okay. Because I'm going to still read the version of the database before that write. Whether that write's committed or not, I don't care. That is the beauty of repeatable read. Sometimes you need it. Sometimes you're not, not. But you ask these questions from databases, basically. You ask these kind of questions. Can you afford repeatable reads? Does, does MongoDB give you repeatable reads? Does MySQL give you repeatable reads? I believe all of them do. And the final one is, is essentially serializable, which is, which is basically you, you, almost like using locks, which I talked about many times in there. That means, hey, I'm about to read this, this table. I'm about to start a transaction. Nobody touches this thing. Exclusive lock. <laughs> or shared lock, if you want to read. If you exclude lock, if you want to write to it. That means if someone tries to edit this row, they're going to fail. Because you have exclusivity on this row table. That means you guarantee that, oh, once your transaction start, everything is going to stop. The world was just going to stop. All transactions going to stop. Nobody can edit anything in your table, right? So they can start. They can just going to be blocked. I showed it in my, in my video, I think. Uh, the double booking problem where you wanted to book a double hotel. Sometimes you accidentally book double hotel. How do you solve this problem? I talk, uh, Check out the video. I just uh, search double booking Hussein, something like that, and you're going to find it. So, yeah, I actually showed it in, 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 with a practice with a, on Postgres. So yeah, obviously, this is very, 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 very slow, but gives you great consistency. So you might be happy on this. So that's basically the, all the isolation levels. Atomicity, consistency, isolation, and finally durability. We're going we're gonna to jump into durability in a minute and then end the stream with a little bit of chat. So guys, isolation and atomicity pours into consistency. Again, the question is, can you afford to loosen up the consistency or not? Based on that, you can decide. So Khaled asks, I'm going to read it in Arabic then, and then translate it in English. 
بالنسبه لاستخدام جي دبليو تي هل ينفع استخدام الداتابيس بدل كاش سيرفر في انظمه صغيره جي دبليو تي فاليديشن سو خالص اسكينج كان اي يوز جي دبليو تي ان ان ريبليسمنت اوف كاشينج سيرفرز تو دو فاليديشن سو وين يو يوز جي دبليو تي ريمبر ذس از ا ستيتلس توكن ذات مينز it it has everything it needs in itself so anybody can verify it right as long as they know the algorithm i mean the algorithm is baked into the jwt i check the check out my jwt video just search jwt hussein and you're going to find out that i talk about that i personally still prefer session based authentication just because it's way simpler to have a centralized database that i know it because jwt is painful when it comes to actually expiring a token <sighs> you have to do this hacks where you do a refresh token you have to do another authentication token you have to check periodically and you have to put it in a place and what what if someone stole your token long-term token you you have to revoke it somehow so you have to end up you eventually end up with a centralized system so i mean why bother in the beginning right yeah it depends on the system if you're building a huge bad badass system then you might need it but if you're building just a small system stick with session based beautiful design isolation in mongodb yeah check check isolation in mongodb i don't know anything about it i believe they have different kind of isolation because they are distributed by design but i don't know really to be honest So the final point guys durability the d in in acid durability guys and it might sound obvious but the idea if i say begin a transaction and i say write 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 and then i say commit the moment i say commit and the database says share okay that means if if you tell me that my transaction committed successfully and the power turned off immediately after that and i came back in the database and i lost my edits that's not a durable database the durable database is basically when i say insert and i say commit a transaction you have to commit it to disk so that it's uncorruptible So that's durable. Durable means means it lives, right? That's the idea of durability. You might say, Hussein, that's that's just that's just yeah, of course. Not really. Redis started with an undurable design, and look how popular they are. I mean, yeah, they have durability now, but Redis is an in-memory database. If you if you're if you're building a cache, who cares about disk? Yeah, I can lose the cash because I have another durable system. So durability is not everything, right? In acid, but if you're building an acid system, you have to have durability. But sometimes you can kick that one out and build a beautiful system like Redis or Memcached. Just this design for caching an in-memory database, a full in-memory database. And uh, I know Redis now have snapshots where every time you write in the background, they take snapshots. they write it to disk so that there is a possibility of loss of some writes but 
whether you are happy with it or not. That's a different discussion. So these are the asset, right? We're going to stay for a few minutes, guys, before we end that stream. Let's have some casual chat. And we go, well, guys, I'm going to wish you a great weekend. And you go do your own thing. So what do we have for us? What kind of questions do you have? Whether in databases, you have a question about databases. We have a question about Postgres, MySQL, Mongo, uh, or any other things. We can, we can a little bit, uh, relax it a little bit. Hussein, suggest me a use case where transaction locks is not needed. Oh, that's a trick question. I mean, you use locks to obtain part of isolation. But usually, if you want, if you want to guarantee that uh, you're building a system agnostic of the database, locks are very perfect for that. Because if your data, if you have a database that supports certain isolation level, while another database doesn't support that isolation level, you cannot rely on that isolation level alone. So you might not want to use actual locks because both databases support that and you want to say okay i'm gonna start reading this table i'm gonna place a shared lock and that what that means is hey i'm about to read it please don't change it if you obtain a shared lock that means you guarantee that nobody can change this table why because in order to write to a table you have to obtain the right lock or exclusive lock that means to obtain an exclusive right to uh, exclusive lock or a right lock to write, you have to not have any shared lock. That's the rule. The moment another transaction start asking for an exclusive lock, it will fail. So now this is how you guarantee people don't changing your stuff while reading. A lot of people use shared lock for this reason. I'm gonna read and. I'm going to read this. I won't want to read it. So if you don't care if your table changed in the middle of your transaction, especially if your transaction is small, don't place a lock. Don't use locks. But just as long as you know the consequences of this. What is you, what is you set expiry data in JWP log? What if, you mean, Viraj says, what if you set expiry data? Of course you can. You can set. But what if your your token got leaked before the expiry lock. There is no way expiring that lock. There is literally no way. People can use it to actually uh, perform queries against uh, on behalf of you. So you have to have this another, another. That's why people make the I think called access tokens very very short, so that if they got leaked, people can only have five minutes. So they make the refresh tokens long, and that is a long left token but what if that is leaked it's a completely very it's it's a new field and people are literally i i've i've seen P, people with phds are talking about this in sessions because very very hard problem and again i'm not saying it's unnecessary it's it is it is a good problem to solve especially with oauth right because it's it's very nice system to have but the security aspect of it is very convoluted and and yeah, it just goes into that path. Same thing, same path with microservices, if you ask me, with Kubernetes. Same story there. Do you need it? If you move, if absolutely need Kubernetes, you go to it. If you don't, then you're just complicating your life. Same exact story with JWT, I think. In which cases can you uh, can a phantom read be a bad thing? Uh, 
I, I, I give an example, right? Where, where you, where you're inserting a row, and that, and your query is asking for an unbounded, not unbounded, just your queries will satisfy the new row that is ex, uh, that is asked. So, locks will not save you here in this case because even locks will not save you because you cannot obtain a row on, on a row that didn't exist before. How do you? What do you do? Right. <laughs> so, so. Uh, serializable is the only solution which is essentially one way to obtain serializability is to obtain an exclusive lock on the table it says hey don't ever edit this table not just one row just the whole thing you cannot touch it so yeah phantom read can be bad if you're inserting new rows and your queries essentially is asking for a range of rows and if there is a new row that is inserted your range query might pick it up so whether, for example, between, select between this date and this date. Phantom row, phantom reads are, are a must for this. I think, you, again, it's going to happen to you. If you do between this and this, or greater than seven, that's a fa you're going to hit phantom rows. But if you do like where, where ID equals seven or ID equals three, there is no phantom reads here, right? Because there is no row that we're going to show up immediately with a value of seven. I mean... No, if it's prime, if it's unique, then yes. If it's non-unique, then yeah. A row might actually show up with a value of seven and gonna get picked up. Yeah, so essentially range queries and non-unique queries. Hope that helps. Do we need understand uh, architecture of cloud managed services to become a better software engineer? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, I will be highly thankful for DynamoDB architecture. DynamoDB is an awesome database. Amazon contributed the Dynamo paper, and I'm yet to reread this article because I, the way I, I, I read that article four years ago, and I didn't know them much back then compared to what I know today. Obviously, we don't know everything, and we we're on constant, sorry, constant learning process. But essentially, the idea of just continuous learning—that's what we need, guys. So Dynamo is a good database, but to me, yes. Every software engineer, if you're dealing with this concept, your system, if you're talking to it, I think you should understand how it works. A lot of people don't agree with that, by the way, but that's just me. I don't like to use something as a black box because it's just, you're going to become just a better software engineer, right? Because if, if you, let's uh, say, you're using DynamoDB and all of a sudden your query becomes slow. If you don't understand DynamoDB, you're going to blame Amazon. You're going to have all these excuses. But if you understand, you can actually solve a problem and you become deadly as a, as a software engineer because it's like, whoa, we had a problem and this guy solved it while others just started, stayed there and watched it, right? Others stayed and watched and says, hey, we cannot solve it. It's a DynamoDB problem. But if you jump in and you fix an index, and you fix the query, and you fix the way you're querying because you know how a system works. Do you, do you understand how much value this you just increase? Nobody can steal this from you. Nobody can hide because people can see you, your managers, your, your colleagues. Says, wow, this guy is great because they, they understand how things work. And once you understand and solve a problem, word starts to spread and you just gonna become a better software engineer. You're gonna have more confidence and you're gonna become better. Is is it easy? Absolutely not.
Absolutely not. It's not easy. Please answer the question or query DSL to use. Does the log gets released automatically? If not, then if we forget to release, oh, of course, release. Uh, here's the thing. I, I talked about lock in my in my ch in channel a lot, but if we acquire a shared lock, and in my start of transaction, the moment you commit or roll back, the lock is automatically released. That's a database job. The job, it, the job of a database. If you acquire a lock using a database feature such as Postgres, uh, select star or select. Uh, ID from table where uh, for update, for example. That's how you acquire an exclusive lock for uh, in Postgres. If you do that, the database is acquiring the lock for you. And its responsibility, a good database system, will release the lock the moment you end the transaction. That means if you roll back or if you commit, the, 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 the lock is gone and people can write again to the database and can acquire potential other exclusive lock however there is this concept of logical locks or or application level locks and those are nasty that means basically you are the responsible application responsible of writing the locks so you're maintaining your own idea of locks a lot of people do that right for, for many reasons, because maybe the database doesn't support it, or they're dealing with multiple databases, or they're dealing with just a microservices system that are agnostic of databases. So you need to maintain your own locking system. You don't rely on, oh, oh, don't, oh, you have to use Postgres, or you have to use MySQL, or you have to, you, don't use Mongo. It just use, they, they build their own locking system. So if they start a transaction, they will actually obtain a lock, and that lock is, what is a lock? It's just a row in a table in this case right they they will create a new table called locks and they start using it as a locking mechanism so all their clients use this table as a locking mechanism so they read oh am i supposed to read this table or am i supposed to write this table oh let me let me read this table oh it's locked sorry fail but if you write a client that bypasses this logic you can essentially write to the table easily right that's why i prefer database level locks all right, guys, that's it for me today. It's, a little bit, it's getting a little bit late for some people, and uh, I'm about to start my day, actually. Hopefully, you enjoy this stream. What do you guys think uh, about databases in general? And um, we're going to end it right here. It was a great stream. Thank you so much. Uh, I apologize for the uh, initial kinks in the technical difficulties that we had but we're back system so i'm gonna see you hopefully next week i'm not sure i'm gonna have a stream another next week saturday but if if yes i'm gonna let you know about the topic of of that stream love you so much i'm gonna see you on the next one thank you so much for hanging out for one of them today fuji everybody martha martin pradeep Sergey, thank you. Brian, appreciate it. Great stream. Thank you so much, Viraj. I appreciate you guys. I'm going to see you on the next one. You guys stay awesome. Goodbye.
go relax go start your weekend don't 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 do any database stuff that's it that's enough database for the day <laughs> all right guys stay awesome goodbye